Welcome to The Thriving Christian Artist, the podcast where we hope you connect with God to bust through the roadblocks that have held you back for years, create the work you love, and really live the life you know God created you to live as an artist in His kingdom. I'm Matt Tama, your host. Let's get started. Well, hey there, my friend, and welcome to the podcast today. I'm so glad that you're with me. Listen, it's going to be a treat today. We're actually getting to talk to uh, David Rawlings, who is an incredible author that I've just gotten to know, who's from Australia. You know, sometimes when uh, people write new books or, uh, you know, have new music or new pieces of art or that sort of thing, they'll reach out and, and say, hey, do you know this guy? And, you know, honestly, sometimes I'm like, yeah, okay, I don't know if it's a fit or not. But man, when I met David and <laughs> when I read his books, um, wow, what a connection we had on this podcast. And I think you're going to really really love it. David is a thoughtful, uh, incredible author that not only writes beautifully, but also expresses his heart for the Lord uh, through the fiction books that he writes uh, in such an unexpected and beautiful way. And I think you're really going to enjoy this uh, this podcast because he really dives into kind of the, the behind the scenes stories of why he does what he does and also about the real practicality of how he makes his living uh, as a as an author that's written three books, has won some major awards, and is still sort of in what we call a, a bridge pattern. That is a kind of a bivocational uh, situation where he's not only working as a professional copywriter uh, in the business world, but he's also writing the fiction books that he loves and managing all of that. I know a lot of us can relate to that. I know for me, that was my story for a lot of years until I became um, a professional full-time vocational artist. And um, a lot of you I know that are listening uh, are in that situation. You're kind of on the way to becoming uh, the full-time artist or uh, a real focused artist vocationally that you want to be. And so I know that this is going to be a really, really big uh, encouragement to you. Hey, listen, as we're getting started today, I want to do two things. Number one, uh, I want to let you know that the Global Arts Summit that uh, I launched, I guess it's been back in uh, on May the 5th, that's still up and running. It's still an incredible opportunity, if you've not checked that out, to hear from over 28 arts leaders from around the world, people like Sean Bowles, Makoto Fujimura, myself, uh, Ray Hughes, Teresa Dedman, uh, Dr. Byron Spradlin, Stephen Roach, and so many others that are that are out there. Uh, it's completely free. Uh, we do ask that you register just so you can get to it on our website, um, but you'll have free lifetime access to it. It's uh, 28 videos that are about 10 to 15 minutes apiece. Really, really practical information on how you can be thriving uh, as an artist in the kingdom during this pandemic and post-pandemic uh, world that we're living in and answering questions like what's God saying? How can we use our art during this time to make a difference? And how can we really prepare now to thrive in the season that that's upcoming? So I want to definitely make sure that you've checked that out. Uh, so many of you have thousands of people have registered for it all over the world. And again, it's all recorded. Once you register, you have instant access and you can, uh, you can listen to those at your leisure on any device that you want. All right. The other thing I want to do, of course, is give a shout out to one of my podcast listeners. Uh, Alan34 left me a great, great uh, review, and I just wanted to, to read that one today. It says, High Energy Art Encouragement. Recently discovered Matt Tommy and love the enthusiasm, truth, and encouragement and challenge that he brings to the table. He helps artists think through their purpose and vision and challenges them to take bolder steps with their art, no matter what the skill level. Well, Alan, thank you so much. It's always a huge blessing to me to to uh, read 
reviews like this and, and just know that you're out there listening, know that it's really making a difference in your life. And um, listen, if you're out there and, and you've not reviewed or subscribed to the podcast, please, please do that. You can do that on just about whatever uh, software that you're listening to on whatever device you're listening to. Just click the subscribe button to make sure that you don't miss any of the podcasts that come out twice a week on Tuesdays and on Fridays. And then also write a review. It just lets me know and others know that this podcast is a blessing to you. All right. Well, guys, I'm going to get out of the way. Uh, you're going to love this interview with my new friend, uh, Australian author, David Rawlings. Well, hey, everybody. I'm so glad that you're with me on the podcast today. I've got a new friend of mine here with me all the way from Australia, author David Rawlings. David, thank you so much, man, for being on with us today. Oh, it's a pleasure, Matt. Thanks for having me on. I should say g'day. I mean, it is constitutional down here. To exactly. Say that, so, right. <laughs> um, yeah, g'day. <laughs> That's right. Well, I'm really glad you're here. I got a, a book of yours in the mail and uh, I was like, who is this guy, David Rawlings? And then all of a sudden I opened your book and I couldn't stop reading. And my wife's like, what are you reading? I'm like, it's just awesome new book called Where the Road Bends. And I just loved it. And uh, I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today. So for those who, who may not be familiar with you, just kind of a little bit of who you are, what you do creatively and, and where you are in the world. Sure. So I'm based in Adelaide, which is in South Australia. So uh, think of us as in the middle of Australia, but at the bottom. So we're in the yeah. South. Um, we're right on the beach down here. We're a, we're a beach country pretty much down here in Australia. So um, that's, that's where I live. Um, in terms of creatively, I'm creative all the time in the sense of I'm a professional copywriter. So as I keep saying to people, um, the fiction is something new, but yeah. I've always put words on the page so I can put food on the table. I've done it for, for nearly 30 years. So the whole idea of using words, they're my tools. I've got a, a good mate who's a, a carpenter and he, he's amazing on a, on a building site. I look at his tools and I don't know which end to hold. And <laughs> when it comes to words, the words are my tools. And so that's what I'm using. And yeah, I've, I've written corporately, I've, I've been a journalist for a while, and now I've, I've turned my, my hand to fiction. And um, thank you so much for saying what you said about where the road bends. It's really nice to hear when you've, you've put energy into a story and you've, you've, you've worked through um, a novel that, that people are enjoying it. So thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, did you grow up in a family of creatives or was the creative thing kind of uh, a wild hair for you? <laughs> <laughs> no, writing probably. No, my my father's family is extraordinarily musical. So, um, my father's family's heritage is Salvation Army, where they pretty much oh, hand cool. you some kind of brass instrument the minute exactly. you're born. Exactly. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, the, I think Dad went through, and I, something like ninety percent of the fifty or sixty people in the wider family all play brass. So, I guess that's where the creative bent came. But in terms of writing, no, it's just it's just something that I've always done. And my mum says the minute I could pick up a pencil, I did. And wow. so, yeah, that, that's, just, that's just how I express myself, I guess. That's great. So did you, a lot of people that are listening to our podcast uh, are a lot of emerging artists, people that are kind of in the process of finding their voice, what they do creatively and that sort of thing, and going across what I call the bridge from where you are now to mm -hmm. where you want to be, maybe doing what you're doing part-time, full-time, you know, that sort of thing. I love it that you are and maybe I'm reading this wrong, but unapologetically in the world of copywriting and, and, you know, writing professionally and that sort of thing. And at the same time doing your fiction work, what is that balance like for you? Is that something that's annoying or is that something that you've come to terms with and, and you're great with? 
no, I think like most creatives and probably most people listening, it's annoying. Um, <laughs> that, that bridge you talked about can be a long bridge. Yeah. Uh, I'm still, I'm still on that bridge in the sense of, you know, needing to, needing to do client work to, to keep, keep afloat and slowly, very slowly transitioning to, uh, to writing fiction for, you know, for a living. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, as people know, uh, that takes a while. And yeah, I, I think the way that the best way to view it is I'm probably five years into my overnight success. So got a long <laughs> way to go yet. Good way to say that. I love that because I think that the things that, that make us be able to keep going on that bridge, the little daily habits, the tenacity that it takes and that sort of thing. So many people underestimate that in their creative journey. And I was just, I was just writing something on, on Facebook not too long ago. I mean, just a few minutes ago. And I was like, people give up too soon because they're like, I got to find my voice or I got to see this happen. And I'm like, your creative voice. And I think your, your whole identity and brand as an artist evolves more than it is found. You know, it evolves as you kind of keep doing what you're doing and opportunities come and you take advantage of those and, and all that. So what are the things that, you know, as you look back at your journey to this point, what are the kind of difference makers do you think in your life that have enabled you to stay on that bridge, just to, to keep being tenacious and, and keep pursuing uh, even amid having to, to do things like we've all done, you know, to, to pay the bills. Mm, that's a great question. Look, I think there are two halves to that. I think from the, the craft point of view, I'm, I'm very disciplined in writing because I have to be. Mm. So if I have a client, pro- I've got a client project at the moment down here, uh, doing a large government website which has got a launch date. And so therefore I need to deliver my, my copy on a certain date and there is no room to move and I can't push it out and I can't procrastinate. I just have to do it. So I think that's one of the things that I'm finding I'm taking from my professional life and applying it to the creative stuff is, is I, I know what it's like to hit a deadline. And I think that's mm. important. You're absolutely right. I, I speak to people all the time and this seems to be the common thread when they say they, they've started a novel. Right. <laughs> um, very few people have said they've ever finished one. And so I think for me, I'm bringing a professional sense of, I just have to get it done. I mean, Where the Road Bends is out in early June, which means I would have had three novels published with HarperCollins in 16 months. Yeah. And so, and a lot of that is down to, from the craft side of it, just an, a dedication to, I, I know I've got to, I've got to knock out 750 to 1200 words a day in some periods and some periods it's, you know, editing six or 7,000. I just have to get it done. Right. So there's that side of it. The other side of it is I really genuinely believe this is a calling. And so Mm. that is a seriously motivating factor when you feel that this isn't just something that you'd like to do, but it's something that you're meant to do. Mm. And I know with the baggage handler, my debut novel, I I get messages from people saying, thanks so much for writing the story. This is the, the role it's played in me reconnecting with God, my family. I had one woman who emailed me to say that she'd read The Baggage Handler and now was talking to her sister for the first time in 20 years. And when you hear that sort of stuff, that is a motivation in itself because those types of stories are still out there and those types of readers are still out there. And maybe the the novel that I write next could be the one thing that that speaks to them and God uses it in a way that, that genuinely... Um, turns them around and speaks to them. So that's the other side of keeping me going is apart from the craft and the mechanics of it, I think this is a calling. And I think this is when you're called, you you genuinely do motivate yourself and push yourself. 
Right. Roll back the tape and talk about when you first started to understand that connection. Because I think for a lot of people, I know for me at least, um, I had my creative life in a silo over here and I had my professional life over here and my spiritual life over there. And I lived a lot of years before I realized that there was a holistic approach, you know, that God wanted to to bring all that together, for, not only for my fulfillment, but for the transformation of others that out of my own transformation, others could be transformed and um, through what God had done in my life and through my story. And how did that evolution happen for you? Because everybody has a different way they approach that. Yeah. Look, for me, I, I was always going to write fiction. I, I started writing fiction when I was a kid, like we all do. Mm. And, and I just loved it. And then when I went into my late teens, went to university, I studied journalism. Um, and then I moved into the corporate sector and I started to build a career. I was always going to come back to it. And even to the point where I would collect story ideas and just flesh them out and leave them in my laptop. And mm. in 2015, I, I genuinely felt convicted by God. And <laughs> very clearly he said to me, and I say this as someone who has an Australian and a guy, doesn't really feel comfortable saying this, so I know it was legitimate. Um, God gave me two words about fiction. Now, I was hoping for bestseller. Right. Um, I, could have hand, I could have handled publishing contract, um, but the two words were, trust me. Mm. And see, from my point of view, I'd put aside this idea of writing fiction until I had enough money, enough clients, I had enough time, I had enough margin in my life to be able to mm. put everything else aside and do it. It's the silo that you talked about. Right. And really felt convicted that God said, I've already given you enough. What are you waiting for? Mm. And so I jumped in and that was 2015 and my debut novel came out in 2019. Now there were, there was a roller coaster in between there as every creative goes on. But for me, it was that moment of saying, okay, well maybe I do have enough. And this, this idea that this one day that I was hoping for was never going to come. Mm. I just needed to trust and get on with it. And so that's what I've done. I love that quote from, Henry Blackaby that wrote um, Experiencing God years ago, he said, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And it's like, we get our qualification as we continue to say yes, right? Along along the journey, you know, it's like, step out and I'll show you. And you're like, show me and I'll step out, right? It's always, always that, so. Yeah. Well, that was my experience too, because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, to work, to pay the bills. I've got a family, I've got three kids. Yeah. I've got a wider family. And so I, I just looked at the calendar and said, how can I slot into my calendar room to write? Mm. And genuinely felt that God said, give me the calendar and just watch. And, wow. and that's pretty much what happened. So um, even to the point of the baggage handler, the debut novel, that that's the one that won the Christie Award, I was working out what to write next. And this idea downloaded. Wow. <laughs> As I keep saying to people, my baggage arrived one night. And in four hours, the idea of a novel was was born. And so even things like that, I I wonder if that gift would have been given if I'd still been trying to work it out myself. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's the answers come as we continue to say yes, as we continue to step out. And uh, I always say God directs our steps, not our standing still, right? (laughs) There's the place to to wait and and, listen to him. But at the same time, we got to keep moving. So. Well, you know, kind of to switch into your creative process a little bit, I love the fact, um, you know, so I've, I've read, uh, you know, your third book, Where the Road Bends, love it. I, I immediately, uh, when you sent me the other books, picked up The Baggage Handler. And um, when, I, when I opened it up and started reading, I was like, ah, oh, 
I can totally recognize his voice, like in both books, uh, creatively. Mm -hmm. I'm picking up on things. I'm starting to feel who you are as an artist. And I love the fact that you are, it seems to me, um, I mean, I've, I've written six books, but all nonfiction. So they're not, I'm, I'm not in any way a, a novelist, but um, I love the fact that you are an excellent writer and very entertaining in what you do. And at the same time, you are unabashedly going for connection and a deeper message in what you're doing, but not in a trite way, in a really interesting, mm -hmm. beautiful, well-written kind of way. So talk about that because that seems to be very uh, much in the front of, of what you're trying to do as an artist. Am I right on that? Or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Look, what I'm writing here is, is a modern day parable. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, what, I, what I'm trying to do is, is get across the values that I believe in through story. Now, story is really powerful. Um, story's always been powerful. You look back at Jewish tradition, story was, was genuinely the way that tradition was handed down from generation to generation. I mean, in my country, our First Nations people, the, the Aboriginal people, have been passing down story for tens of thousands of years. It, it cuts through. Yeah. And I know that part of my work life is I work at a university and where everybody tries to think their way through life. And the number of conversations I have um, with people, you're talking about some really deep stuff that connects with people. You have to get past sort of academic arguments and get to the heart of something that speaks to people one-to-one. -one. So that's what I'm trying to do when I'm writing stories. So it's, I mean, looking back, one of the things that I really love about the way Jesus spoke to people, and you can talk about, you know, his knowledge of scripture, his inspiration, he had an absolute knack for cutting to the chase. Yeah. And standing in a group of people who want to kill a woman for her sin. And he, he basically doesn't buy into that argument. He says, actually, no, what we need to talk about is that. Mm. And there's so many times in, in the New Testament where you see Jesus actually going, yeah, yeah, that's peripheral. This is the real issue. Mm. And I think for me, that's, that's what I'm trying to do as well, is when I have conversations with people, I'm, I'm the guy who wants to have a talk about the deeper things. You know, I don't do small talk comfortably. Mm. Small talk's an introduction to something deeper. And so I'm writing in the same way. Uh, in this, coming up with a way to connect or engage with people to teach a deeper truth. Now, with the baggage handler, it all starts with lost bags or lost luggage on an airport carousel. And I've spoken to thousands of people who say, you know what, I've done that too. Mm. And the second book, The Camera Never Lies, is about an old-fashioned camera and the number of people who say, I would not like it if I had a camera that, that revealed my secrets either. See, they've gone straight to the connection. Wow. So I spent a bit of time thinking about how to connect with people because I don't think if you do, I think it's it's easily discounted as too preachy because it's just not relevant to people. And, and people are people are time poor. People are um, very defensive. I'm, I find it fascinating that, that people are engaging through story. In fact, I had one woman who, well, on the same day, I had uh, two emails about the baggage handler. One reader said, thank you for writing the baggage handler. It's obvious to me that the baggage handler is a Jesus figure. I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. I get it. Mm. That was followed an hour later by a woman who said, I'm a deeply spiritual person. Um, God doesn't exist. I hate the church. I've been burnt by the church. Christians are frauds. But now I'm, turn, I'm starting to evaluate my life on the basis of what you wrote because I can see that the baggage handler is an allegory that's spiritual. So wow. the fact that one story could reach two people in not so much opposing camps, but just different universes yeah. Was, yeah. was fascinating. But it kind of, 
it backed up what I'm trying to do. Yeah, which I is love that. Try, try to get across values through story. That's so beautiful. You know, one of the things I I deal with a lot is somebody who's mentoring a lot of artists that are coming into what they're doing, and primarily visual artists. Although we work with a a lot of writers and photographers, musicians, people like that, but um, people who are Christians and then maybe get introduced or reawakened to their creativity in the context of their faith often find themselves in a weird position in that they feel a lot of pressure to um, label what they do as overtly Christian. And it sets them up for this weird kind of pressure, you know, that, that comes on their creativity. Is it Christian enough? Is it not Christian enough? And that sort of thing. And I've always come at it from kind of a, a place of mystery, whereas I believe God really cares much more that I create than what I create. And that is I invite yeah. him into that process and, and offer my creative process and, and the fruit of my labors to him. He then takes that and does so much more with it than I could ever do myself. And that, that mystery, which is what I think you're talking about is this, you know, you wrote yeah. a book and you put it out there and now God's doing what God's going to do with that. That's a beautiful part of that story for me. So do you struggle with that? Like I'm a Christian, I want this to be Christian, but I don't want it to be too Christian or, I mean, where are you in that whole process of, of allowing the work to speak freely? Uh, I'm, I don't struggle with it at all, but I, I understand the struggle. I, we, I've had a number of conversations online with other Christian authors about what Christian fiction actually is, because mm. the definitions, there, there are definitions at either end of the spectrum and then a thousand of them in between. Yeah. Is Christian fiction fiction that's written to make Christians feel better about what they believe in? Is Christian fiction completely about salvation? Mm. Is Christian fiction something that's written by Christians? One of the, the best um, definitions I think I've, I've ever had was I was talking to a fellow HarperCollins author in, in Cara Putman who writes uh, Legal Suspense. And, and her view, and I, I think I agree with her, is the fact that Christian fiction isn't just about salvation. It's about redemption and resurrection. Mm, that's so good. if you look at my stories, I mean, in the Bagger Chandler, you know, no spoilers, but one of the characters doesn't find redemption, but he's now on a journey where redemption is likely to come later. Mm. Now I have a number of people connect with that because not everything ends up with a nice bow tied at the end of it. So right. for me, I, I'm a Christian writing fiction. I write redemptive stories. The people in my in my novels find redemption in some part of their life. Um, not all of them go through a salvation experience. I mean, my argument's always been: if a Christian reads fiction for a salvation story, how many times can they be saved? It's, right. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not necessarily you know boy uh, the the traditional trope of girl meets boy, girl tells boy about Jesus, boy becomes pastor. The end. It's that's that's something that I think people are starting to push back on because it, you use the word trite, and I think that's sometimes how it's perceived. Yeah, is that it's a little bit too. I don't want to use the word shallow because that brings with it a whole range of other right or too perfect tags. almost. Right? <laughs> it's it's too perfect for the world we live in now. Yeah. Having said that, I don't shy away from what I believe in. Um, and I certainly would, if, if somebody challenged me, is, is, you know, is this Christian fiction or not? I would point them to the sections of the novels that, that are clearly my values. Mm -hmm. It's just that I'm not, trying to, <laughs> I'm not trying to tell a story with three main points and then a, close, you know, a closing prayer and then hand over for the worship leader for a Chris Tomlin song. It's not, right. 
it's not a church service dressed up as a novel. It's it's engaging people with the deeper values that, that can benefit people. And when you look back, that's one of the things I admire with what Jesus did with parables. He told a story that he connected with them and then left them to think about or deal with how it impacted on them. Yeah. You know, very few parables ended up with, and then a thousand people got saved and the church grew. Um, <laughs> Most of it was Salem, right? It. People thought about it and got confused and frustrated, right? <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. So, yeah, for me, it's not confusing at all. I, I'm a Christian who writes fiction, and I'm not quite sure that Christian fiction is simply um, has God on every second page and has an yeah. altar call at the end. And yeah, I'm sure that's so. the same would go with, with any creative process. Yeah. or anybody in any kind of creative field. Yeah, that's so good. Well, I'm glad that that you're a, a Jesus follower and you're doing what you're doing so beautifully, and I'm enjoying it. I know tons of my listeners are going to want to check out your books and uh, follow what you're doing. So, David, where's the best place that, that they can get to know you and, and what you're doing creatively out there in the world? Sure. Well, if you go to my website, which is www.davidrawlings.com.au, now you need the .au bit. That's the Australian part of the internet. And you'll find excerpts from The Baggage Handler. That's that last year won the Christie Award for the best debut novel of the year. Um, the Camera Never Lies and the new one, Where the Road Bends. You can read some excerpts, you can see some trailers, and you can order or pre-order if you like. Or I'd love to talk to people as well. I love to start conversations. I mean, that's why I write, is to start conversations with people. So head to Facebook, you'll find me at David Rawlings Author and drop me a message, join the conversation and talk about something a bit deeper in life. And particularly in a world of COVID-19 and everybody locked in their homes, read a story and escape for a bit and then talk to people, you know, outside your immediate area about some of the impacts it's had on you. Absolutely. Well, David, it's been such a pleasure to get to put a, a face with your words and get to hear a little bit more about your story. And uh, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. David. Thanks, Matt. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for spending a few minutes with me today on the podcast. Listen, I hope it's been a huge encouragement to you on your journey as an artist. Hey, also, before you leave, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of the other episodes of the Thriving Christian Artist Podcast. And also, be sure to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or at my website, which is matttommymentoring.com. Until next time, remember, you were created to thrive. Bye-bye.